Welcome back to Beautiful Work, Beautiful Life podcast with Laurel Boyven and Laurel Holland. And today we have a special episode where we are going to take some time, actually the whole podcast, to speak into some questions from our listeners. So the first thing I want to do today is say thank you listeners for being on the other side to receive us and then to send in some questions for us because we really feel like it makes us feel like we're really, you know, together at the kitchen table. Doesn't it, Laura? It does. Almost um, a conversation that is happening in the moment. Yeah. Really yeah. lovely. It is lovely. So um, when we speak into the topics today, and we, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and just kind of do a little reading on the questions or mention the questions, and then we're going to um, just just kind of respond a little bit to them, and then we're gonna come back and do a deeper dive on some of the topics that we get into today, because the topics that we're gonna be exploring um, in answering the questions, some of them go a little bit more deep, I think, than we are ready to respond to today in this podcast. We're going to go ahead and come back and, and we'll um and we'll give you a heads up when we're heading in that direction so the first question comes um and i love this question laurel it's a big question there's lots of topics in there so we'll do we'll take some time and then we'll just mention you know what we'll come back and talk on so we're we've been asked to talk about um transitions so for instance people that are going from empty nesters after daily mothering, from people who have children who have grown up and moved out, transitioning from major life work to retirement, and then finding meaning and purpose in a new way. And then how do we deal with fear and loss with these kinds of changes in our lives? And as the um, question was posed, you know, there's so many examples to this. And Wow, what a big topic, huh, Laurel? The idea of tackling transitions in our lives, and especially the big ones. And they're, they, I want to say never ending. It's yeah. when you really look back on a life, what would a life be without transitions? Yes. And I think yes. for me, we, I categorize major transitions as those that I didn't plan on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and major transitions, right? Uh, the ones especially that we didn't plan on, I think feel the most disruptive. The ones that we plan on, somehow in our mind we think aren't going to be as disruptive, but I think it depends on how much prep work you've done, you know, whether it really truly is disruptive, you know, and the level of disruption that you experience in your life, don't you think? I do. Yeah. And if, whether or not you can continue to do the work through the transition. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that's the hard part. I know I've, I've had, uh, you know, challenges with that. Yeah. When you're in the midst of something big that you didn't expect, knowing that there is some silver lining is not the right word for me at this point, but maybe some lesson in it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think that um, I know when I think about transitions and the transitions, especially the ones I've gone through recently, I think that um, what happens is we tend to get more triggered in our vulnerable places when we're going through those transitions. And so I think that's why, you know, when you say 
keep doing the work, the beautiful work, and keep keep on top of this inner, this idea of paying attention to the inner work while we're going through the transition, it really helps to know that most of the time in those transition periods, we do get triggered by, you know, our, the places that we're really still vulnerable or we need some more growth or we need maybe to pay some more attention, you know, to ourselves. And so just to know that in and of itself can be good preparation as you enter into a transition time. Yeah. So can you think of an example that, you know, maybe some a transition that you went through that um, you were triggered during and how did you recognize it or how did you move through it with grace? Yeah, I would say um, I'm going to just pick the most recent one for me. And it was a really big one. Uh, and it was my husband fully retiring. We had a business that we were in together and it was his full time work. And I was there very part time and then in my coaching business. And so when he um, when we sold the business, it was his full retirement. And so going into it, I knew it was going to be a big transition for both of us because I was used to having a routine at home where he wasn't there and now he would be there during the day. So I knew that was gonna be a big adjustment for me. And then for him, he, he's worked really hard all his life. He was the major breadwinner in, fam in both families that he's been in for a long, long, long time. And so the idea of not getting up and going to work every day, not having a purpose in that way, I knew it was going to be really challenging for him. So for me, I was, you know, internally, I was really prepared for, wow, you know, we could be really stepping on each other's toes, triggering each other, you know, in terms of like, I know I like the house really neat. If he's a too messy, you know, he's going to trigger my stuff and I'm going to be, you know, not really fun to live with. <laughs> so just knowing, you know, that all of that was coming, right? And, um, and so I think part of it is just, in our minds, right? Being prepared. I know when I go into a transition, I think this is just going to be a messy time and it's okay if it's messy. I'm, I'm okay. I, when I moved three years ago, that was another really big transition for me. I am of such a homebody. And when I had to uproot myself from a home, it was very uncomfortable energetically for me. I had a very difficult time. I literally had a pain in my right leg for a year. I ended up going to the chiropractor and working on it, but it took me a whole year and it was during that, those six months before I moved and six months after I moved, almost to the, to the day that my, that my first chakra was speaking to, to me through my body, right? So when we go through these transitions, just to know that it's messy, I think that's kind of the first tip, right? Is going into it and saying, this could be a messy part of my life, but it's a new adventure. I think that's how I always look at it. Right. It's a new adventure and there are things to learn and ways that we're going to grow. And so I always approach it with a, an open mind. I think that's kind of where I start. How about you? Laura? Yeah. You know, so it's so interesting because I know I've had some unexpected major transitions. I mean, we've talked about some of them in our prior podcast, you know, going through a divorce, ending a corporate career. Um, you know, even even those maybe my children going off to college and being an empty nester um and the beauty of all those things being in the past is that they really seemed like there was a start and an end date of that transition right so 
It was knowing that it's going to be messy, knowing that life is going to change and knowing that eventually it's going to settle down again. And what seems new and maybe challenging or unsafe becomes safe again because we settle into change. Um, But when I think about the transition, like I'll say my current transition uh, I'll refer to it as an ongoing transition. So I left my corporate career. It'll be three years ago this month. Yeah. Um, Happy anniversary. And, oh, thank you. <laughs> and it it seemed like it would be a transition that was quick. Like, okay, I'm leaving a corporate career. I'm starting something new. But when I think that it's been a process and a transition that is still ongoing, because it affected so many things, you know, it affected my friend circle, my daily routine, my relationship with my husband, how much time I spend alone or how much time I spend at home, you know, my financial situation. Right. And so it really feels like it's ongoing. Yeah. Um, and this is probably the first transition I've had that has been ongoing. I don't, know how it's going to all sort out. I don't know when it's going to all feel normal again. Um, And I just give, I put it in a category of this is, this is life. Life is ever changing constantly in flux, but we don't really recognize that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that Laurel. (sighs) You'll have to ask me a year from now. How, how did it end? <laughs> how, how did it end? Or, or did it or, or does it? I think, you know, it's interesting because when you started sharing about this, this major transition that you're in and this new life experience, this new work life experience that you're having, it is almost a version of, I don't want to say retirement, but like watching my husband in his space and then me working part time and feeling like I'm semi-retired because I'm not doing, you know, a million things. I'm only just doing my life coaching. (laughs) Um, It feels like it is a, it's an opportunity, right? To have the freedom to structure your day, which you didn't have before. Right. And, and with retirement, you do. And with this lifestyle, this kind of coaching work, you do to a certain extent. Right. And, and then it's also, a little bit of a journey to find out what fits you the best and how you want to show up as a coach, you know, group coaching, individual coaching, um, online coaching, you know, what's the face of it going to look like? And I think, you know, really when we end, when we come into the retirement years or the time of life where we're slowing down, there's a lot of that that happens. There's a lot of how do I want my day to be? And what will feel fulfilling in my day now? And how can I express myself in ways that I haven't necessarily yet? And that's all new. That's all new, right? Unless you already have hobbies that you know you're going to do, right? Yeah. It's completely new. And as you were speaking into that, I was thinking about, you know, what if a transition was just, you know, an ending of a phase and a beginning of a new phase, which I think it is. Mm And when we transition sometimes in life, um, you know, the things maybe 
get married, have children, go to work, end a career, retire. All of those are somewhat of an expected pathway or journey. Right. And, um, and I think what happens with when it's expected or it's part of a normal lifetime, we, we assume we already know the roles and responsibility that come into right. it. Beautiful. Yeah. But then when, you know, for instance, you know, my leaving corporate, I felt like I was too young to retire. Mm -hmm. I did joke about being, you know, the at-home wife, which I have never been. Um, And I don't know that that is my calling or my purpose. Um, And I don't know that that's who my husband wants me to be. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm at this place where I can decide, as you were saying, you know, how do I want to structure my days? How do I want to work in my own business? How do I want to show up in the world? But it's it's a little bit messy because I don't have the defined roles and responsibilities right. that I used to have yeah. in whatever phase it was that I was in that was part of my, you know, expected life trajectory, right? Right, right. I mean, I'm making it up as I go along. Yeah. And I think that that's part of in any transition that we're in, right? Unless you have a structure that's being imposed on you from the outside, like like a work, a, a role at, at work that where it's just being given to you. We are in places where we're, we're developing the new structure. We're developing the new way of living and being. And so there's trial and error. And it, 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 it makes me think again about this book that I'm reading, which I just love and I can't talk about it enough. I'm using it all the time when I'm talking with clients and friends and whatever, is this book called The Path of Least Resistance by Robert Fritz. And he talks about this idea of creativity and the process of creativity and how, what's, what it feels like to be a creative in the world, right? Beyond just being an artist or a musician or somebody who's a we think of as as creatives, right? We're all creatives in our own way. And if we're choosing to recreate our life anew, there's actually a way that we do it, a process that we go through. And to kind of know what that looks like is really useful. And it's not the way we've been conditioned to be in the Western world, through school, through learning how to adapt to society. Like, it's not about this creative process. And so I always, like now I'm beginning to realize, I think more and more we're entering into a time of humanity where we're trying to learn, relearn how to be creatives. I think you're right. Yeah. 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 um, I'll have to look for that book. It sounds fascinating. Yeah, it's really good. I think you'll really enjoy it. And and even when you think about the transitions that we may not choose through life, right? A death of a death of a loved one or um loss of health i think of loss of health is you know sometimes that just comes on suddenly and we're not expecting Mm -hmm. it at all changes our whole life right a divorce similarly right um and the creative process through that is we still even though we wouldn't have chosen the transition we still have the ability to create who we are through that transition and because of that transition. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think to be able to look at it that way is a way to become resilient in the experience. Mm. And, and that's where 
hopefully we're gonna we're gonna learn and grow more and more because I do feel like right now we're a bit at a loss we haven't been taught these ways of being in the world we haven't necessarily seen them or had them demonstrated for us and so we don't really know how to approach these parts of life or these experiences and feel confident that we have some skill and so it's hard to become resilient but I think we can learn it and we can become resilient I really truly do yeah so if anybody's out there you know I highly recommend that this book the path of least resistance you know that's that's a wonderful book to particularly if you're in a phase of life where you really are starting a new path that's a it's a great book to give you some encouragement and some techniques about how to um, work with it along the way and and let's circle back Laurel to this idea of um, the losses and mm. and the, the grieving that's kind of embedded even in the good stuff, right? Even in the transitions that we want and that are good, there's still some pieces of it where we're leaving something behind. And so there's that grief work that needs to be done or the sense of loss, the nostalgia, you know, and these feelings all, I think, just really need to be felt and given some time and some attention to, in order not to bury them and have them show up later and disrupt your life. Yeah. You know, it's... um when you were speaking, it reminded me of a time that um, I moved out of my hometown that I grew up in and my children, my youngest was going into first grade and it was a plan. I had been planning this for two years. When she was going into first grade, we were moving to a town where I worked rather than I had been commuting an hour. And I wanted to be able to have my children in a school in the same town where I worked so that I could volunteer at school, maybe on my lunch hour. Um, and, um, you know, it just happened at a year after my mother died. Um, and that first, I was so excited to move and establish a new home in a new community. And during the holidays that year, I really was out of sorts. Even though I still had my same holiday traditions of where I spent Christmas Eve and being with my family back in my, at my sister's house and those kind of things. But I didn't realize it at the time, but it was really grief and loss. Yeah. It was as much as I was looking forward to this new chapter in my life, I still was feeling a loss from, you know, the 32 years prior right? mm -hmm. um, that, you know, I had spent my entire life yeah. living in the same town prior to that. So um, I think it's interesting because we do experience loss, even when we choose the change that we are stepping into. Even when we're excited about it. Yeah. Even yeah. when we're excited about it, there's still that that level of, of leaving something behind or a sense mm -hmm. of loss. And mm -hmm. so if we just quickly touch on, you know, the idea of grieving and loss, one of the first, you know, strategies, tips, uh, words of wisdom I would share is you have to feel your feelings. I think when we try not to, what we do is just delay and usually um, uh, increase what we're going to end up moving through later. And so to just be with it right then and to feel it and to take time, you know, to maybe do some journaling. I love 
You know, I think about when we lose someone that we love in our life, we take the time to have a ceremony usually of some kind and we talk about the people and we um, share stories and we, we cry with each other and we love with each other. And, and so I almost feel like it's, it's the same thing in some modified version when we're moving from a house, when we're leaving a career behind, when we're um, going through a divorce, when our family is changing, when, it, when someone goes off to college, like this idea of having time, spending time honoring that part of our life, that experience as it was, uh, having an altar where we set up pictures or have, you know, a place where we can go and, and just look and spend time and um, and and just sit with our memories, you know, and enjoy what we know and what we've experienced and, and cry a little bit. It's, it, there's really beautiful healing paths in all the ceremonial and ritual that we, we just don't do a lot of necessarily either in the West, Western culture. Yeah. And I think it's um, feeling all of the feelings, cry and laugh, you know, both both sides of the spectrum of feel all of the feelings. Um, and I think oftentimes too, the practice of gratitude during the, these times of loss and transition are, you know, when you are so grateful that you experienced what you had previously and how it, you know, becomes part of you to take forward into the next phase um, that you may have lost, you know, a home or a neighborhood or a community or a marriage or a parent, but um, there's still part of that experience that, that you can carry forward. Yeah. And, yeah. and being grateful for that, you know, again, I think helps settle through um, just the change that's coming. Yeah. Yeah. And to embrace it. And I think that it, when we look at the grief cycle, um, the classic, you know, Kubler-Ross identified it, identified grief cycle. You know, the last stage of that is acceptance and moving on to new life. And that's, that's part of the healing journey. And it's also, again, more towards the end, usually, you know, and we don't naturally, you know, in, in that, in that grief cycle, we go in and out of the stages and we bounce, bounce around a lot. But usually that ending part where we're feeling like we're really going into new life tends to be after we've processed a lot of the earlier, you know, law feelings of loss and denial and fear and anger or whatever, whatever is surfacing around, you know, the change that's there. But we do at some point have to reimagine life in new ways. Yeah. And as you were speaking, I re couldn't help but think about this ongoing transition that I feel like I'm in. And, you know, the, while it was my choice to leave my corporate career, but the loss of so many things yeah. that were tied to my corporate career and I, in my identity in that role, um, who I was and, you know, how to move into the stage of acceptance of the life I'm creating now. Yeah. I'll let you know. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to walk through those stages of grief and, and maybe journal on kind of the last couple of years of what I've seen and where I am in that. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful, Laurel. And I, I want to say thank you for, you know, going there with that too, with that idea of, 
you know, when we've been in, um, had a career and really identified with our career or really enjoyed our career, it's, it's hard to disidentify from it and then begin to identify ourselves outside of that, right? That's a whole process. And I know that you, you know, you gave that to us as a challenge in an earlier podcast. Um, and I don't remember which one it was um, exactly. It might've been one of the values, but it was the idea of learning how to, you know, sh- sharing, t- introducing yourself or describing yourself without work, right? Or a role that you're in. And that's a great way to, um, to be able to find the steady part of you that might grow and change, but it's kind of, again, that essential you that's always there. And if we identify more with that, then the roles will come and go. And, you know, we, we feel, we feel that inner stability that, that carries us through and beyond all those transitions. So that, that would be, I guess, my other, you know, tip or strategy. for Yeah. And, and that, um, I think that challenge of, you know, who are you without your work identity and without your roles in relationship identity, that also would be so helpful in the empty nest phase of life. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, when, when I am a mother and my children leave home and they never move back in, um, who am I without being the mother of children? Um, even though I'm always going to be their mother. Um, and, but it really is a time that some women have a struggle with because they don't know who are they? What's their purpose? What's their role? How do they fill their time? Yeah. You know, what keeps them awake at night if it's not their children? Yeah, yeah. And what gives them um, pleasure and excitement outside of that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, which is the most important, I think. I know, of course, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it is so interesting. And it is one of the, you know, it it, it ties into a, a question that uh, um, one of our listeners asked me in in that you know how do we not take on roles and responsibilities problems that aren't ours when we are back in that the situation and so i can give the example of you know my adult child who hasn't lived with me for seven years shows up for two weeks and lives with me when she's between homes and i immediately then become the mother of a child in my house again yeah yeah Right. Um, and how do I, you know, how do I remember that my role and my responsibility is no longer, my identity is not simply that one thing anymore? Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's a good, that's a good question too um, from our listener. Thank you, listener, for, for bringing that into the space because I think some of that, it's, it's like one of the beautiful, more probably intricate um, processes of doing the inner work is being able to go in there, right? And see how are you showing up in relationships? Are you the problem solver? Are you the rescuer? Are you the, the one that heroically saves the day, right? And I love this idea because, 
Um, it makes me always think of young and archetypes, archetype work. Carolyn Mace's work is so beautiful. Anybody read any of her, her work? And she talks a lot about this idea of archetypes. And, and we have them. We live in them. You know, Jung identified that we, we live in this collective unconscious with all these archetypes. And, and, and Caroline Mace really gets into how we all have cert, you know, a certain body of archetypes within us. And usually one of them is rescuer right that's we all want to be the rescuer at some level and the question is how much do you identify it and how much do you get in there and start rescuing everybody right and so um so yeah and it's one of those hard things i think when you when you're transitioning out or when your children are going how do you do that gracefully as a parent you know start saying it's not my problem it's their problem it's not my problem. It's their problem. If you're the problem solver at work, how do you help other people get good at solving problems so you're not the go-to person all the time? This is not easy, is it? It is not easy. It is one of the things that I coach a lot on is, um, you know, knowing your role and knowing your tendency to take on the role and responsibility of others because you're capable, right? And it's so messy. It's messy. Um, what is my place in relationship to others? And is, you know, is the relationship what it is because I maybe allowed some overextension of my role, right? The fixer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the problem solver. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so interesting. And when I think about how do we, you know, how do we just keep that in balance or in check? How do we not take on the problems of others that really are not ours? Uh, I think it. I think it's an ongoing practice and the self awareness. You know, being aware of oh, am I out of balance? Yeah. Am I being helpful or am I being useful or am I being needed? Yeah. All of those questions come to mind for me. It's so it's such a great study for, of self, you know, to go through this process. I think I um, started looking at that part of my life in my 30s when I was in adult child of alcoholics meetings. And I would talk about this a little bit in another podcast that I did with Pixie when we talk about codependency. Mm because I realized that was, that was where I went in my, it, it, first of all, it fit my personality, right? To become a codependent, to, to be the one who was helping other people. And I suddenly became identified as that person. And then I self-identified as the person that helped other people. And then suddenly the boundaries were all blurred and I wasn't really me unless I was helping somebody else. And I mean, it becomes very complicated, you know, in a dysfunctional household. And yet for many of us, right, who want to be the helper or want to be the one who feels like you're creating, helping to create a harmonious home environment, work environment, whatever, it, the lines become blurred. Where is it your responsibility? And then where have you crossed the line? And it's really, you're, you're picking up, you know, somebody else's personal work or professional work that they should be doing. And so now you're in shaky territory around how to withdraw, how, you know, not feel resentful because now you're doing somebody else's thing that they really should be doing, but you went ahead and did it anyway. I mean, this is, this is messy. 
it's so messy. I think it's three more episodes on this topic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to refer anybody to the, the codependency, um, podcast that I do with Pixie. Also go back and revisit the relationship, um, podcast that you and I did, because I think we talk, we hit a little bit too about women and relationships and self-definition and our psychology. And we, we get into that a little bit because I think all of those are all really imp important for um particularly you know if you're in a pattern where you feel like you are trying to withdraw from being the rescuer or the helper the enabler the fixer right how do you begin to do that gracefully yeah and and with courage i mean i don't know yeah. that we've talked about the you know how much courage it takes yeah. to um change your own behavior yeah yeah in a way that will benefit you knowing that it may upset a relationship or you know you may be changing your role within a relationship and that's risky sometimes yeah yeah it so, is and so it does take bravery it does take courage yeah. yeah and and i think that's why communication could be so key too in helping and and i know when i was um studying to be a mental health counselor and was doing a lot of my own personal development work heavily in my 30s and then into my early 40s when I was doing my master's work. And I felt like that was my time when I really could see my patterns clearly of my tendency to cope Co be a codependent, my tendency to people please, my tendency to show up in relationships as only the listener and not the talker, my tendency, you know, the, the person who was going to be there for other people always. And, and in seeing that, I realized I had kind of lost myself, you know, and, and it was a process of reclaiming myself and then learning how to communicate in other ways, right, when I was trying to help. So instead of being the you know, the problem solver, I was the person who asked the questions of how the other person thought they wanted to approach their problem, right? I learned other ways to show up. And I think that that's kind of maybe one of the keys, right, is to start to practice some of the new questions or language and ways that you're going to um, begin to communicate with, with the people when you're in the patterns that you want to change. Because everybody's going to go on a journey. You're not the only one on the journey, right? Everybody, people on the receiving end are, whoa, what just happened? <laughs> I think that's really, really um, good advice about the process. You know, it, it ties back into, you know, how do you want to show up? What do you need? And then how to communicate and act, you know, with grace to be able to change what you need to change without um without other people wondering what the heck is going on here yeah 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 and allowing everybody to have some space around the change because you might be ready right to be doing it differently but the other person you know who's now suddenly the situation's changed so it's different you know, now it's their turn to figure out how they want to do it differently based on your change. And so to have some space and grace around all of that and communicate, you know, and even ask, you know, how are you feeling? I know I might, might feel to you like I dropped the ball or I'm not helping you anymore, but I, I started to feel like maybe I was doing something that you could be doing for yourself and I'm not really 
ultimately helping you become independent or get where you want to go. You know, I that was one of the things that I learned in my um, women's group that was so powerful for me was um, f- one of our group agreements was no advice giving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I what I what I came to truly believe and honor was everybody has their own best advice and they need space and opportunity to get in touch with it internally. And so I think that that was one of the things that helped me too, you know, with withdrawing from being the one who had the answers or the fix it person was they probably know that what they want or need better than I do. So let me see if I can just make some space and support them in getting to that internally. Yeah, that is incredible. And you know, it, it, it takes trust, trust that the other person does have an inner wisdom and inner knowing that is available to them. If you allow it to happen, what a gift that is. Yeah, it is. It is a gift. So, Laurel, well, I don't know. We had a lot to talk about. That was only two listeners' questions, I, I think, know. that we touched on. I know, for sure. And lots more that um, we can probably come back and, and do some work on. I know I want to come back and we'll talk about um, grief. And we'll do yes. a little bit more with transitions, I think. And then, um, and then maybe some strategies around, um, you know, letting go of being the rescuer or the fix it person, you know, I think that that wouldn't, that would be a good one for us to do, you know, take a little time and talk into that even a little more deeply. Cause I, I do feel like it, that's a hard transition to make. And the more support, you know, you can get with that, the, the better, I think. I think so too. And I think it, you know, it ties in oftentimes we, you know, I, I use the term out of balance. We, sometimes we, we're not in balance Um, with our own gifts, right? So we have a talent or a skill or a gift that is useful and needed, yet we overdo it, right? And so I think that there's some conversation that we can have about how to recognize your gifts and how to use your gifts without overextending and and creating an imbalance. Oh, I love that topic. Let's come back and do one on that, Laurel, real soon. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks today for sharing your wisdom as always, Laurel. It was a pleasure. And, um, and thank you listeners for sending in questions. We look forward to more. We'll be back soon for more beautiful work, beautiful life. Mm. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Bye for now. Bye-bye.